0: Cuckoo,
1: cuckoo,
0: <laughs> Yo, what's going on? This is the Bill Radio Show. This is Jay Juliulis. We are in the building. You just rock, you just tuned in. We, you know what I'm saying? We about to rock on this show or whatever. If you rock with us, you know how we get down or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Jacksonville, Duval, all my people out there. Listen, we in the building, uh, 1320 AM, 103.7 FM, Pure Radio. We about to do this, man. We got a show set up for you all today. You know what I'm saying? I got my host with me today. My people, where y'all at, man? Yo, this is Jeremy.
1: That's it. I, I, that's, I, I like it short and simple because I want to get to Phil's intro. Proud he of that always name. try to be he like proud me. He
2: proud of that name, yo. He always try to be like me. And y'all already know who it is. It's the eglastated, uh, the exuberating, the fresh air, the scent, the smell. Is she a big <sighs> boy. that make him say, two-time big Philly Illies in the building, and we in a VO radio show. That's how we do it, son.
0: Listen, people, we're, wait- we're working on getting him fired, but HR... <laughs> there is a
1: smell. I smell the smell. A- HR is
0: taking too long at this point or whatever to get the paperwork through, but we promise, just rock... This
1: is his last show.
0: <laughs> just hold on with us, you know what I'm saying? So, listen, we got a really dope show on our hands or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And... uh You know what it is or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's the day before Easter or whatever, so we're in a really, really good mood, and um, happy y'all rocking with us. We got some people in the building with us, and we're just going to work our way around the table, let y'all know who's, you know what I'm saying, rocking with us as our guest on the show today. Introduce yourself, fellas.
3: My name is Jimbo, and I'm the pastor of what's about to be Redemption Church come Easter Sunday.
0: Most definitely.
4: Uh, I'm Leonard Small, pastor of Mosaic Church. We're going to relaunch in January 2018 as Anthem Church. We're going to be... merging, so dope. It's your boy,
5: Dubliano Z 2Z, 7J, uh, youth minister at the Church
4: of 1122.
0: Dang. He's done that before. Yeah, he's done that before. Yo, Phil.
2: He got me, I think. We, <laughs> might, have <to> re- <laughs> <laughs> we might have to replace you, Phil. Because he said, I said a whole bunch of nothing. He actually said something. Yeah, he, his, he, he did. He like. was a flow, too, man. It it was. Was. <laughs> 7J, do you train
0: people at all? Like, <laughs> friend, look, We might have to see if we can get your services over here. Yeah, I need a lot of help. Phil Phil got that that, that licious slang. It's just too much or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's crazy. No, that's what's up, though. For real, fellas, I appreciate y'all being here today. Um, and I'm glad to have y'all in on this conversation about race in the church. This is part four, um, I believe, that we're on. We're not one for order around here too much. Um, that probably offends some religious people or whatever. But I think we're on four or whatever. So... Um, let me just say this really quick. I said this last show, but I think it's also always necessary to say. Um, I think some people's response when they hear you talking about racing the church, they kind of go, oh, you know, we just need to trust the Lord. Why do we need to talk about that? Um, if you're that person, you're actually the person we do this show for. Oh, God. Um, you know what I'm saying? Statistically, the church is divided. The American church is divided. The numbers are somewhere in between two uh, to five percent diversity. Um, I say that number all the time because I need it to really be in people's brain for real. That is a a huge issue because it undermines the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is bringing all nations, all tongues together. And so if it's not a priority for us in the church to push for that and push for giving God glory through our relationships, um, I think that is a very, very big problem because when I talk to cats on the street, um, it's one of the first things they bring up is the division in the church. And the Word of God tells us that people will know us by how we love each other, right? Well, it don't look like we love each other very well. Um, matter of fact, people in the streets feel like they could run with that banner a lot farther than we can right now. And statistically, it's actually looking like that for real. So, if we're going to take the calling of God on our lives for real and the mantle that He's given us to, you know, to His glory and by mercy and grace. We want to be very serious about this conversation. So we're not having a conversation to divide people because statistically we're actually already divided, right? So this is actually for us to take on the responsibility of um, speaking into this conversation and also to equip people with information on how to engage the conversation and also um, to show us how to have the conversation from, a, um, you know, just – Use, utilize critical thinking um, with when engaging the subject matter. And so I think that's super important for people to know. A warning that I always give people to concerning this conversation is to protect your heart. Because um, the Bible tells us that bitterness um, actually begets so much sin. And this is one of these conversations that's extremely sensitive. And so you have to protect your heart in it and you have to have mercy and love, and grace, locked and loaded, because everybody's not going to say what you want them to say, and they're actually going to say some things that are actually going to just set off the landmine of hurt in your heart, and offense, and all of that good stuff, and so, so I just pray that God empowers to have us to have this conversation in a graceful way where it's uplifting, but also super sobering, all right, so that's that right there, you know what I mean, so listen, let's jump into it really, really quick, um, Race in the church. Y'all just heard me hit the statistics. We're divided right now. Um, it looks really, really ugly. Um, we're sitting somewhere like 2.5% to 5% um, for racial diversity um, in the church. What has been y'all's experience working through the race conversation in the church in y'all's context? And we could kind of work around. Um, we could work around in the room. Let's Let's start from your side. Seven, let's let's hit it from your side. You you cool with jumping in it first? Yeah. Like I just want to hear like what is what has been your experience. And I know this this conversation will work its way out as we keep yeah. going. You know.
5: Um. So for me, like growing up, uh, for me in church, only way with me growing up was I hold up, big. Um, growing up, I was always around predominantly black churches. You know what I'm saying. I grew up as wooden flow Baptist as you can get. You know what I'm saying, and um. Moving from there, I went to kind of like the predominantly black mega church <clears throat> type thing. So, you know, uh, and going there and not really understanding doctrine to a certain degree, just really understanding emotionalism and and when to shout and when to give and when to expect my blessings. It's like when I uh, when God reformed me, um, I went on this like manhunt for sound doctrine. and It's like I could not find it in the African American church seemed seemed to see, you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't that I was purposely looking for outside of that context, but I just didn't know where to find it. So um my my experience has been like when I when I finally did find a church, my wife put me on game with the church of 1122 and it was at beach. Um and so I went there and all that kind of stuff and um and from me going there is it was it was alarming my first time ever going because you realize boy, about don't nobody look like me in this thing, man. <laughs> <buddy? laughs> no no subbu. Don't about, nobody look like me in this thing. But it was what was unique to the Church of Eleven Twenty Two was the amount of love that I felt there. Still at that same time, I didn't feel I didn't feel at that time that anybody was anybody saw that hey this this is a black kid here in our church. I just felt like I was part of this movement that was, you know what I'm saying, that that we we're all trying to press forward in Christ and stuff like that. Um and then being brought on staff, um I think like being being more so being more so behind the scenes and seeing everything understand there's been conversations that I've had with people and they ask because they just don't know. So they ask and we have those honest conversations and you know what's my view on this, and what's my take on this, and I think that it's unique and it's dope that um, people are taking the opportunity to get to learn about a lifestyle, an upbringing, and a viewpoint that's different than the one that they've been in their whole life. So,
4: I got my own. My bad. all right, I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm gonna apologize up front because I'm I'm bound to say something that I'm not supposed to. So, oh, just this be a Radio this, show
2: disclaimer. Welcome, this the a Radio <laughs> show.
4: Uh, so for me. Uh, I'm half black, half Korean. And so in the black church, I'm not black enough. But when I go to predominantly white churches, I'm too black. And so I get that kind of paradigm. You know, I get that kind of, that strain, that stress. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you're not necessarily uh, completely embraced in any any setting. So my experience, so growing up, I wasn't raised in a church. So, uh, but I was raised in a town in the south. Uh, that still struggled with race. It was a predominantly black town, but it was led by, uh, you know, uh, Anglos. And and so they had this hidden racism. Let me show you how hidden it was. So it was a town of maybe 3,000 people, and we had enough people that we could have actually split the town. This is all going to so bear with me. So they could have actually split the town and had a high school and an elementary school, but instead they created a predominantly all-black K through 12, and they created a predominantly white K through 12. The predominantly white K through 12 got the best stuff. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. And so growing up, you know, like for me, I'm, I'm seeing racism firsthand, like not covert, but like overt racism.
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: And then to go from that to the church, and then I go into the black church, and then I see the way the black church and how people would preach. You know, not necessarily preach gospel, They'd be preaching. I don't know what they were preaching because I wasn't saved at the time. They were preaching. And at the same time, they felt some kind of way about white people. And then I would go into predominantly white settings, and they wouldn't necessarily embrace or invite black people into their settings. Mm. And so what you have is this stalemate where, you know, like, a, it's like a middle school dance. Yeah. You know, you, everybody's standing around looking at each other like, you know, like, what, what should we do? Yeah. And, and when you get into the back, when you get into the, like, the deeper you get into both settings, you find out, like, in the black church, they – they are expecting something from the white church that the white church don't feel like they owe them.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
4: You know, they don't feel like they owe them an apology and black church is sitting back saying, you owe us an apology and you get that stalemate. Yeah. You get that sort of like arm folded looking at you like, okay, so who's going to initiate the action? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. just looking at that strange dichotomy in the American church has been the thing that has, um, Led me to believe exactly what you said in the opening. It's like this: we have a responsibility. This is not one of those things we can just continue to sweep under the rug.
0: Yeah, most definitely. You know, one of the things too is that, like, one of the things I experienced. Just a comment: um, you you made the statement that in the in like you, the black church is like expecting an apology from the white church. Another one of my experiences with the black church also is that we um, we 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 we're, we're, we've been building our heaven in the church. Like, to me, I feel like I experienced this more so with churches that are doing well financially, have a lot of professionals in the church, and it's kind of like, we actually don't need your apology too much anymore because we're over here killing it. Thank you. Peace. See you later. (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? And and I understand how the feeling of that actually happens because especially if you feel like you've been trampled on and skipped over so long, it's hard not to pop a bottle when you make it. You know what I'm saying? And so, but... For the protection of what God is doing, um, I, I just want to mention this scripture right here. This is 2 Timothy uh, 1 um, in, in verse 13. It says, follow the pa- pattern of sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells with us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And I know that's, that's, that's there's a lot in that statement, but the good stuff that God has put in us, Like, we let the dynamics of this conversation begin to pollute it. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not protecting what God put in us and, like, this love we're supposed to have for each other. The fact that when this stuff starts to turn funny and weird and even response, like, it's logical our responses, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I even believe that even, um, and I've learned this from pastoring a diverse church, white people's response in this scenario is logical, too. For a black man, it's really hard for us to grasp, and then on the, then vice versa. But I realized, like sitting and talking through conversations with white people, um, I'm like, how could I ever expect you to not land where you're at? It, it 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 feels like racism where it's at right now. But the your life story, it's sensible that you were land here. And I've had to learn mm-hmm. to actually um, grieve for that, um, and 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 hurt for that, and then actually humble myself to try to accomplish what God wants to do in their life or whatever because um, you know I'm, I'm, we, we mentioned this not too long ago one of the gentlemen in church uh, one of my white brothers in the church we were having an argument um, about the movie 13th and, and it, it hit me in the middle of the conversation he was like man like yo you're trying to get me to accept this historical narrative and I was like bro this is history but it hit me in the middle of the conversation winners write history He's always, when when I was hearing history in school, I was like, this is bull crap. This ain't real. Like, he was hearing it, and it was yeah. about white people building this country and all of that stuff. We and he was like, this is. The
1: champions. Yeah.
0: It was real to him. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow. I go, it makes sense. You never had a question. He never had a reason to question it being real. And so it made me understand. I'm like, I can't have this conversation and just be mad at him. We have to slowly walk through rebuilding a whole new structure here. Because you in
4: your mind, you're thinking protagonist, antagonist. Somebody needs to be brought low. But when you look at it that way, it's like mutual brokenness. Yeah. You know, it's That's not exactly like one, one group is. gets to say we got it all figured out and one doesn't. Exactly yeah. What it
0: Satan is. is playing his game, mm-hmm. and he's playing it lovely. And if we don't look at it through it from a gospel perspective. Whether you are the oppressor or the oppressed, you end up getting played in it when you don't look at it in in reverence to the cross and what it says. Because it lays us all flat and calls us into this work. And so that's why we got to take that thing so serious and guard that good deposit that's been inside of us. Um,
1: And so actually something with the – Leonard, what you said was interesting is um, in the whole conversation, I think the idea of – I'm still trying to understand the black side of it because – I'm white, I grew up a, around white people in this context. But the black side saying, We want an apology. Because I'm very familiar with white people being like, we, I do not owe you an apology. I did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm. That, that is the very, that's instantly, anytime this comes up, the number one thing is, Well, people who are racist <laughs> owe them an apology. Mm-hmm. And so, literally, I was having a conversation with someone last night, um, someone who's probably 55 years old, uh, a white lady. And she took the step, which I think is one of the first steps in this conversation, which is not denial, but then an honest inquiry of, like, well, tell me, tell me what I need to apologize for. Mm -hmm. So instead of like a huge wall of defense and being like, no, you don't know what you're talking about, saying, okay. If you can show me, which is its own thing, but at least opening up to the possibility that I'm wrong, um, show me how I'm wrong and what I need to apologize for. My question is, people around the table, what do you guys think white people in this conversation need to own and apologize for?
2: Well, number one, this 55-year-old lady you were talking to last night, even in her response to you, Mm -hmm. she still was... um, treading real softly because for you to say that tell me what should I be apologizing for like I can understand it but at the same time um I don't know it's just there's there's to, that's that's go all to, go to thug mode Phil. I, I, that's almost like me. Like <laughs> Jay as <is> well <wild>, man. <laughs> that's almost the hooded Kermit is Jay. Yeah like that like that's almost like me um, telling people, you know, when they say uh, me and my wife. So, and I know what I've done. Like, I know what I've done. Even if I have not even made it a a actual tangible thing in my heart and in my mindset, I know how I move. Like, I had somebody call me a sexist last week, right? Um, I could have been like you don't know me. Yeah. You don't know me. Right. One person called, but like, you don't know me, you don't know who I am. You, mm-hmm. You're going off of a comment I made off of social media.
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
2: Um, and she was like, I think that was just a sexist statement. Mm-hmm. Now, in my mind, I just had this conversation with my sister, someone that does know me. Mm-hmm. And said, she said the same thing. And I was like, yeah, I know I need prayer and this, that, and the third and all the above. But the person, other person that said it, they don't know who I am. Right. They don't know, and they just made it off of one statement. They summed me up off of one statement. Now, I could have said, what do I need to apologize for? You don't know me. You don't know why I said what I said. Yeah. And I could have had a million people like, yeah, yeah, you don't know him. And he's a man of God. And he's a worship leader at the Ville Church. And he's doing all these great things for the community. Right. In my heart of hearts, I know I can be a sexist. Sure. So for her, she needs to look at the. She needs to really look at the narrative of her life, mm-hmm. of how she was raised, yep. of the how of what she was taught, and really be honest on why she feels the need to say, what well, you tell me what I should apologize for?" You've been around but long but enough. You're I thought, fifty-five right, me, years uh, old.
4: I don't, I don't like the word apology. Let me let me just clarify. And so it is not necessarily penance cuz i think that's what most people equate apology to it's, it's not a payment towards something i think when we talk about what a person is owed especially in this conversation yeah. it is empathy mm-hmm. and so if you were to let's you know think about hey this land was stolen from the indians and if an indian came to my home and said hey I, my family grew up here y'all made us leave if 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 i'm it, at the bare minimum i shouldn't be like well that's your problem now get off my property it should be like, I understand your plight, I fear your pain, I'm sorry for the way things turn out. It's, there's been no exchange of property, it's just that you you just put yourself in that person's shoes, and you say, I understand. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to give up anything, because I think that's what a lot of people think.
5: And I, and I believe that a lot of times, like, you don't, a fish does not know that it's in water, bro. Yeah. Like, a fish has no... cognizance of the fact that, hey, I'm in water. This is all I know my whole life. You take a fish out of water and they go (laughs) (laughs) like, oh snap, Like this is snatched away from me. So I think that when you bring bring to a person and tell them like, hey, based on historical evidence, white people have done this to black people or whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be. And I feel this way. And you bring that to them. I think you kind of like lift them up out of the water a little bit and it's like what? What's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What's going on? Like I got to get back in my water of yeah. my water of privilege, my water of the way that I've grown up. I've grown up in a situation. I've grown up in an environment where everything was kind of like laid out for me. Dad already had my college fund done, and mom and dad were happily married. I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, but I'm just saying, overarchingly. So for me, in that same breath, like growing up, growing up in the hood. That was my water. I didn't think that people really had situations at home where mom and dad was married
1: mm-hmm.
5: and sat down and ate dinner at the table at night. That, my mind can't even fathom that. That makes no sense to me. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So it's like if somebody was to try to explain that to me, I would have been, like, I don't know what you mean, like that you have both of your parents, that you have your dad has money. Yeah. That right there is mind-blowing in and of itself. Your yeah. dad is not on child support and running from the
1: people. <laughs>
5: you know what I'm saying? He's yeah. like, not, not an yeah. out. Not a my dad is my trying to get paid under the table so that the child support don't get taken out of his check. Yeah. You, you come do on. this? Yeah. Come on, so somebody. it's like that's that's my reality, bro. Yeah. And it was like until I met somebody who was living a different reality and they was able to talk to me and be like, well, this is how I grew up. And I'm like, what? Yeah. So I think when we come from a, a place of I've been – Racially profiled before. I've been wrongfully stopped by the police. I've had my face slammed on the trunk of a police car. You know what I'm saying? I've had people look at me crazy because my pants sagging because I wear my hats backwards, stuff like that. Because I wear chains and jewelry, like whatever. People are gonna look at me crazy because yeah. of that. You know what I did But even in even in them looking at me that way, and even with all the things that have been done against me, I still believe that. It's due to a fact of you don't understand life outside of the ocean that you grew up in. Yeah, and sometimes you don't want to come out of that water because they mm-hmm. think
4: majority culture is normal. Like this is everybody's experience. Right. Yeah. Before we go into, let's it, get Jimbo it, in the it, conversation. It, right. And
0: it's not. Let me let me hit a comment and then we'll jump to Jimbo because we went really broad on your on your question, yep, no. Nope. Like you know, <laughs> I, on, I think what hood, I think what a, I think what a just to hit it really quick. But when people are saying, when white people are saying show me where I am wrong to uh, black people often it's perceived like I I think a lot of times when I hear people say that I'm like I'm not your freaking slave I'm not about to tell you nothing like that's kind of in my heart in my kind of hard heartedness that's my response because it feels like it kind of ends up working me back into being um um Dehumanized, you know what I'm saying, in in that or subservient, even having to work for white people to bring them to the light. Now, now I have a way easier time grasping that through the gospel and the position that I'm called to walk in, um, and in my church and everything else. But I have to constantly bring myself up under that in the gospel, like from a gospel perspective, cross call to serve up type of deal. But that. That statement usually embodies a lot of hard-heartedness and not sincerity when it's asked a lot of times. Um, Jay, I'm
5: I'm scared to jump out there and answer that question. But the simple fact is if I jump all the way out there and open up my heart to you and then you reject it, it's gonna it's gonna turn me all the way up. Yeah. So like, oh mm-hmm. no, nah, that didn't happen, or no, 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 that's not real, or no, no, that's not valid. Like, so for me, yeah. I rather unless unless me and you all the way solid. Like, and, and I feel, I feel like me I can you,
0: yell at you later on
5: about it. Me and you 1,000, if, if I not if I ain't all the way out there about you, then nah, we can't even, we can't, I, if you ask me how you, how you feel about it, it's, it is what it is. Cause it's yeah. going to be
0: a new level of humiliation. I'm right. going to go there. So I'm going to, I'm going to
5: open up and be vulnerable and show you like, so, Hey, how do you really feel about being black in the church? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, everything good. No, tell me for real how you feel. Okay, like I'm going to I'm finna take off my clothes. I'm finna get transparent. I'm going to get naked. And if I'm going to get naked in front of you, you're going to do this. Ugh, I don't want to do that, bro. Cuz yeah. now now that I'm naked, we got to somebody got to get in the blender.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cuz here's the thing. You you don't I mean wanna, that metaphorically. You, you, you know? don't want to go through that and have That's the real. superiority Pulled on you that makes your full experience turn to nothing. That's what I'm saying. Like, I literally just wrote an email to my doctor yesterday or whatever because he asked me if I was offended about something that he said racially not too long ago. And I hit him back and I was like, I said, bro, I need to apologize to you and ask you to forgive me because I actually lied. I said, yeah, I was offended at, at the last conversation we had. And I said, the reason why I was offended because every time we have this conversation, you tell me about your experience. And when I tell you about mine, You act as if you actually are black, know the black experience in and out, and you tell me everything I say is actually a lie. And I'm like, I've never challenged you being Italian, not one time. Why would I? I go, I don't know know if you understand the level of superiority complex in what you're doing and how undermining and dehumanizing it actually is. And I say, I love you. I'll be back to come see you again. You're one of the best doctors, but... (laughs) I don't want to go forward, not being real yeah. with you, or whatever, and stuff. And yeah. so that's the that thing that dehumanizing aspect, the way Satan has the made the narrative of this country throw us into this superiority infer, inferiority type of deal, and it's off basis, and it doesn't look like what the gospel calls us to, and it's become normalized. Is what's really hard. The, it was a re- that was a really good example about the fish yeah. out of water deal and uh, and whatnot, but. Jimbo Slice. Jimbo Slice. Jimbo all right, all right. Thug life. What's going on? So Jimbo. Barterman. <clears throat> yeah. To drop it on us, brother. I've been knowing you for a minute, bro, and I love you to death or whatever. I remember we first came from New Orleans, yeah. and our, our man Corey Hicks, whatever, linked mm-hmm. us up, you know what I'm saying? OG and the rap game and all that good stuff. And um and I, I remember I was just surprised to hear your heart, just like how you um you the, you, you were coming to the city but the way you even engaged in it wasn't like, yo, I'm about to come kill it, you know what I'm saying? It was like you came, you found out about the area you're in, you're right off of Lane Avenue with your church, Um, you found out about the context, and you came with a heart for racial reconciliation. And uh, and you, matter of fact, I remember you telling me, I wouldn't have even took the job if they wouldn't have said that this was a priority for them. And so what's it been like since you've been in this process, leading this church?
3: Well, I'll say the reason I think... um, Reconciliation, in the church is important. Is the same reason that it's difficult. Yeah, it's it's all the same thing. Mm. good. Uh, it's it's difficult because it legitimately requires a dying to self on a level um, that is unprecedented. There's nothing else in the church uh, in America that forces. I mean, physically forces you emotionally. Forces you to die to self.
2: Not like, not like this that. Boy, nothing. This is talking. talking yeah. Nothing. Roll,
3: roll with it. Like this conversation. <laughs> because that's and so that's why it's so difficult. That's why there's this uh, veracity to to the response when when someone brings this is the devil's had a foothold in the church of America for centuries on this and and he's still winning the game. And by all looks, it doesn't look like he's losing anytime soon. And, and so it just changes looks and faces and, and severity and, and levels of, of depth. And, uh, but the game it hasn't changed. And so when you engage this, I've seen people who, who, don't, who don't, get, uh, don't get hostile in response to anything. I'll step on their toes about, Like I'm, I'm, I've always been the guy when I get in the pulpit that people always bring you steel toe boots, right? Like I'm, I, if I don't hurt your feelings at some point when I'm preaching, I don't feel like I've showed up. Yeah. And, and so people will handle 99% of what I do, but man, I drop something about race. And people that have been calm and have been like, man, I just thank you for stepping on my toes, man. I appreciate Turned you up. challenging me. All of a sudden, they're like, man, I don't, I don't really appreciate what you had to say about that. Like, mm. I, I don't like how you said mm. it. I don't like where you're coming. It really offended me. Um, and, and so, when I, when I try to unpack the conversation with them, okay, well, tell me, tell me why it offended you. Talk. Let's talk about that. Um, they just, they're, it's illogical, ad hominem, non sequitur responses. Like we can't, we can't have this kind of. But the problem is evidence has never been, lack of evidence has never been the reason for people to not to change their behavior. I was walking around the other day thinking, and this guy said to me, he goes, he was looking at this young cat smoking cigarettes, chain smoking them. And he was like, you know, I'm 35. I'm like, man, anybody, and he was like, he's, he's about 35. He's like, man, anybody younger than us smoking cigarettes? It's kind of an idiot. And I was like, All right. Well, talk to me. He goes, I mean, it's I mean, it's the most proven cancer causing. I mean, it's like it's on the when you buy it, it's on the packet like Mm -hmm. everyone knows it's it's not disputed. Everyone's 100 percent aware. Mm -hmm. I smoked this. Two things are going to happen. One, I'm going to get addicted and it's going to be difficult to quit. And two, it's probably going to give me cancer. Yeah, people just do it. So it's lack of insufficient evidence has never been the thing. So so education's not (laughs) education (laughs) is not the not even the full situation here. Yeah, and so for me, I grew up. I grew up in a fairly privileged situation for sure. My dad uh, is my so my dad grew up in a two room shack, dirt floor, foothills of the Ozarks, sharecropper farm. Work the farm, give the money to mama. That's how you eat. My dad was the only one of nine kids in a two-room shack to go to school. Graduated high school at 21 years old. When he writes the, the grocery list out to this day, he spells cereal, S-E-R-I-A-L. Can't spell, can barely read, but has worked his way up real high, right? So he's, he's making bank now. Doors were opened. Now, I, I don't take anything away from his... Hard work, mm-hmm. incredible work ethic, but there's no doubt that if he weren't white, that work ethic wouldn't have probably wouldn't have a, had, had him arrive as far as he did. yeah, so I got to grow up in, in, in privilege because of my dad's hard work and because of the doors that were open for him with his hard work. But I went to a school that was incredibly racially divided high school I changed high schools, I changed schools in sixth grade, I went from a predominantly white upper middle class school to this more lower income, very divided
0: school. Jim, can I stop you real quick? I just, stay right where you're at. Yeah. I want to make this statement really, really fast because I'm always thinking when people are talking, what are people thinking who are listening? Yeah. And you just made the statement that my father worked his butt off, he moved up even with a low education and everything else, and you said there's no doubt that if he was black, things probably would have been different. Yeah. Most people are going to say bullcrap. That's what they're going to say when they hear that. Mm -hmm. I just want to to quote statistics really quick. Statistics say that if me and a white person have the same education, same work background, everything else, and we submit applications, that white person is going to get the job 50% more of the time. If we go and apply for housing, they're going to get it 50% more of the time. If our kids get arrested as youth offenders, my kid is going to get charged as an adult nine times more than they are. I just want to make sure everybody knows that real quick what the hard statistics are when they start going, no, that's not true. It's very true. And we can, we won't even get on the nuances of racism because you have to think about how the intolerance of people who have grown up in America, um, play out on the job setting. I watched my mom and everybody in my family go through it all their life and be mistreated and skipped over. I watched my wife do it. I watched family members have to come with equal opportunity lawsuits at work and then have their name stained for having to do it as the problem maker because they tried to stand up for themselves getting crapped on. That happened just last year. So, anyway, that's for anybody who wants to push against what he just said. So,
4: as that Pushes his way into the church, like is in culture outside of the body, as that pushes his way into the church, like, and this is what I guess kind of answers your question. It is this, 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 you know, this inheritance that we have that we don't even, we're not even aware of. Mm -hmm. So we're, like, I heard him talking, like, we are carrying the pain of our ancestors. And for a lot of Anglos, they're carrying the pride of their ancestors. They're not going to point out and say, Oh, we accept the blame. It is the pride that they saw. So, if you saw your dad saying, "Hey, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps," they can too. You hear that over and over and over again. It's and for us in it's the black water. community, I've heard my grandma come on the phone, "Hello," to the white people, and then when she hang up, them dang on crackers like she. Yeah. <laughs> so after a while, you hear that over and over and over again. That pain, you know, like that pain of uh, of the slave to have the husband and the, mo- and the mother go one way, and that stuff has implications right generationally. Now, straight up. And so to own slaves and to think a certain way about black people, that has implications ancestrally. And so yeah. now we are just only products of our environment, nurture. Yeah. Yeah. We have been nurtured into this thinking that it is okay that, you know, we got the better end of sticks, so, you know, if for those white people who don't believe in privilege. Like, I had to think about when my kids fill out a job application, yeah, my son's name is Joshua. My daughter's name is Jacqueline. You know, yeah. it's a privilege you don't have to think about when well, my my third child, her name is Jalen. That's kind of a black name, so she, it's she, gonna be a toss-up. She she's
0: she gonna have it rough, bro. <laughs> like they don't
4: have they don't have the truth of those imp- like thinking like, man, how would that look on a job application? Yeah. I do, I gotta think about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, we, me and my wife just had this conversation. The guy heard job, he was just saying, we were talking about it yesterday. He was like, All my kids are intentionally named with white names. F- f- just to keep them from having to go through stuff because that is li- a literal reality that we live in as black people these are the type of questions we have to ask and stuff just but just to funny. Jim, my, my wife's uh, name Gemma. is Audrea, A-U-D-R-E-A. yeah uh, her true story her mom meant to
3: name her after Audra from a show Big Valley yeah but the painkillers had messed with her and so she misspelled it yeah and it just stuck and so when, I, when my wife went to college, she always got roomed with black girls. Every- <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, we're going to hook up. Because they just assumed with the yeah. name Audrey that she had to be black too. Yeah,
0: but, uh, yeah, real but talk. Jump back to where you were yeah. at before. J-O. So just
3: real quick, just to give my background, of where I, how I came into this approach that I did is, um, so before I got saved, man, I was a con artist. Yeah. I was always running a con game before the internet came available. I was stealing pornography magazines and selling pages, $5 a page, $25 for the magazine, selling my riddle and stealing what stuff, selling the it. What? I was always running a con game. I'm a
4: hustler. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, hustle. to buy him a Mighty Bro Long say Way. He was mighty long porno Way. Porno
2: magazine and ripping the page out yeah. and charging people $5 for the page. Oh, yeah. That I was is. making bank.
3: Mighty Long Way. I had my, my
2: own little mob going. <laughs> I
3: was obsessed with mafia movies, man. Yeah, yeah. But the whole reason I'm saying that is, it, what, I mean, I read, uh, how to what is it, uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, like in the fifth grade. Because, like, I, my whole thing was manipulation and learning people. So, I, yeah. so what, what came from that is, and that actually opened the door for me to understand things. Because I instantly became a people watcher and studier. So as a con man, you're always reading everybody's emotions, everybody's thoughts, their posture, how they respond, what they say to things. So I'm at this incredibly racially divided school, and I'm just watching and i'm like man this don't even make sense like i'm not real sure what's so that that just started to awaken in me like cuz I mean i grew up being told not overtly like we hate black people or but like but i was I mean it was you know there were there were these tensions and it was just like things aren't okay for us like you stay over there we're going to stay yeah. over here it's all good nothing hostile against you
0: but let's not fraternize yeah, so clarify that yeah what did, what did you see? Like, like I, I want to know. This, this is interesting. Yeah. What did you see when you looked around the school? What was new to you?
3: Well, what was new to me is that it seemed illogical to me the way that people would uh, react to each other. Yeah. Because uh, I thought, man, that's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. Yeah. And so I, I just started becoming friends with, with some black guys at the school. And I remember one day, man, there was there was a planned, scheduled race war. Yeah. 1030 break. It's on. Yeah. I was like, man, I am not stepping in that. Yeah. Like, I was just sitting there watching. I was like, man, I love watching a good fight. Yeah. And there was this one big dude, Tony. Man, Tony could throw down. Tony was a brother that could throw down. Tony was just knocking dudes out. And I'm just watching. I'm just kind of like just bobbing my head. Just like, <laughs> my head. I got hip-hop going off in my head. I got Snoop just dropping. And I'm like just bobbing my head. And all of a sudden, of a sudden Tony turns, grabs me by the collar, and almost nails me. But then, yeah. he, then he laughs. He's like, man, get out of here. He like pushed me away. Because we were, because we were cool, yeah. and I was like, "Man, this is crazy." So then, when I got saved in college, and I went into ministry, this was not something I intentionally jumped into in the beginning. First church I worked at was a very similar context to where I'm at right now. It was a church that died out through uh, through the results of gentrification, moving everything, white flight to the other side of town, and so the older white people were still there, uh, but the community had changed drastically, and the two minist- i was in charge of youth and college ministry even though there wasn't a youth and college ministry and god sent me a bunch of young african american youth and then our college ministry was a guy who would go pick up international students from a local university take them to walmart and help them get their groceries and take them home so all of a sudden my entire ministry was with not white people but it wasn't just with black people it was with indian people and jewish people and chinese people and And all of a sudden, God started to awaken me to, man, this whole thing's further than a, it's not even a dichotomy. Like, this is a massive cultural difference. And I was like, man, it's it's plaguing the church. And so I remember the first time I baptized three young black men in the church. And this is a church where when you baptize people, everybody stands up and they clap. And nobody stood up and clapped. And I remember thinking, boy, this is messed up. Yeah. Like That's this, crazy. Is, wow, this is serious. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Like this wow. is serious. And uh, and I, that really wrecked me for a minute. Yeah. I remember two weeks later was a national holiday and they did the national anthem and everybody stood. And I was like, I can't stand. I can't. Not that I don't love my country, nothing with that. I just remember at that moment thinking like, But if we're not gonna stand for somebody going from death to life, I ain't standing for nothing.
2: So Ooh. you the one so so Colin Kaepernick taking all your You uh, <laughs> taking all your your uh, <laughs> Well
1: what was interesting is a he guy, was in church <laughs> that Sunday. <laughs> it was it's the only time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's, yeah that's, Colin Kaepernick was one of my kids. <laughs> 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 uh, Jimbo, uh, he uh, was <laughs> one of those kids that got baptized. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> was one
0: no. that's really interesting. That's huge what you just said yeah. because yeah. I, I don't wanna speed past it because a lot of people when it comes to this national nationalistic Thing we do in Patriotic, Christianity now, yes. yeah, it it's it's disgusting in light of the cross how we do this, whatever. But people lean very hard into this, and so people can't fathom why somebody won't wouldn't stand for the national anthem. Um, and and usually they can't put solid words to it. But what you just said was really big. Like how we, how am I going to stand for that when people won't stand for these young men going from death to life? Yeah. In the church,
2: yeah. you know what's funny? I mean to cut you off, Jay. But when someone don't stand, so when someone doesn't stand for the flag, you have so many people find so many reasons why they should. Yeah. And then you get people, you get all type of uh, assumptions perceptions of yep. the country thrown into yep. it or oh, you disrespecting the military. He ain't saying nothing he ain't, ain't yep. said nothing about the military. You disrespecting the government. Yep. All of these different things get thrown into that fire. You disrespecting yep. my great great grand grandfather, grandfather <laughs> yeah. who, who, who 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 served right.
5: in the Vietnam War. Yeah, yeah who yeah. served And I, that's and that's, yeah. and that's and that's and that's unique because when that when all that was popping off, you know what I'm saying, uh what was what was
0: where was my great-great-grandfather? Revelatory you...
5: for me, right. Yeah. So my daughter stays with my wife's grandmother. So not even my wife's mom, but my wife's grandmother, like, throughout the day. Yeah. And I had to do a, a history project for class, and I interviewed her. And my wife, my wife's grandmother is not, like, old, can't move. She run up and down the hallways with my daughter, all, all that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And she began to talk to me, and she was talking about how um, – she was sitting at the counter and, you know, forced to move it to the back because she's black. Mm. I can't, you can't sit up here at this counter and you can't eat here. And she was like, the water fount-. she was telling me the story. She was like, the water fountain I had to drink out of, grandson, you wouldn't believe it. The blacks only water fountain, it was the water had a sulfur smell to it and we had to drink out of it. and, you know, she was like, I, I can remember seeing a white water fountain and just wishing I could have a sip and, you know, I remember when JFK got shot and I remember when Martin Luther King got shot. And I just remember, you know, being scared to get out there and march in the streets because I didn't want nobody to beat me up. So I stayed in my house. And I'm like, hold up. You're watching my daughter. I thought that this happened. Yeah.
4: You know. And that's the way it's told to you, too. Yeah. Like, oh, this, man, this
5: happened hundreds.
4: That's old stuff.
5: Hundreds of years ago. You know what I'm saying? You're watching my daughter. Yeah. So this was in fairly recent, memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if somebody starts to, you know what I'm saying? Well, My grandmama was, because I talked to her about the Colin the thing, and she said when she see the flag, she had to remember at the same time when she was seeing her uncles and her brothers and stuff getting kicked and holes down in the streets, that same flag was waving. Yeah, that flag mm. means something different to me, bro. Yeah, mm. that flag yeah. means something a little bit different to me than what it means to you. If all you got is grandparents who don't served and fought for their country, and y'all got it hanging in the living room, yeah, you gonna stand up, you gonna salute, cause you're doing it out of love for your people. It's a different narrative when you're talking to somebody who don't went through it. And while I got blood in my mouth, I look up and see them stars and stripes forever. And this is the
4: pride of you. So it's different. That's why I don't even like the phrase evangelical now. I don't like the direction that even that phrase goes because that automatically means you, you know, you vote Republican and carry a rifle. Yeah. Like, you know, and so what he's talking about is just this whole this 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 melding of Christian faith. In, the, in God's kingdom, with this earthly kingdom called America, and and patriotism, <laughs> is next to godliness in some people's mind, and they automatically equate America as being a Christian nation. Where there's a difference between being a nation that is Christian in force versus a nation that is Christian influence, and I think that's God's way is Christian influence, but but because people that are redeemed, born again, set free, go into places of influence yeah. and make decisions versus yeah. the government. Force it, Because that always worked out bad ways when people try to enforce Christianity. And so uh, I, I think for a lot of our Anglo brothers, they have to get out of this mindset that we as black people m- do the same kind of, you know, mental kind of acrobatics of equating being an American as, and, you know, it's synonymous with being Christian. And I think that's also killed evangelism in this country because we assume <laughs> If, you know, you live a brief, in a nuclear right. family, you got, um, you know, a, a husband, and wife, and children, you got, you know, your, your grass is cut, you probably are Christian. You know what I'm saying? Because you're in America. That's yeah. Tough, so,
0: yeah. Hey, so listen, on that note, we're going to run to a song really, really quick because I want to get back or whatever. The, y'all actually are hitting on a new uh, show topic. Oh, oh my god, so, so we are, we are I see we <laughs> trying to bring y'all back or whatever for Too real. Bad, because bad. the uh yeah, we, we really need to talk about that for real. That's really, really a big deal. Um, yeah, we about to hit seven joint, ain't we?
2: Yeah, yeah, we're gonna play that heart of the hood, man. Yeah, I'm yeah, we're gonna hit that man. heart yeah, of the I'm hood ahead.
0: from seven J. Listen, check this out. This is one oh three point seven FM, thirteen twenty a.m. You rocking with the Ville Radio Show. Also, listen, really quick, this Sunday, Easter service, you know what I'm saying? Straight up, tomorrow, come see us, you know what I'm saying? We got two services, 9 a.m. service, 11 a.m. service, you know what I'm saying? Get fresh, come see us, um, 956 North Liberty Street, um, and you can check us out at theville.church. That's our website, theville.church, but we would love to see you in service tomorrow um, for Easter service, and uh, shout out to the Ville Church, our sponsors of the uh, Ville radio show. And uh, yo, let's rock to this song real quick, Heart of the Hood, you know what I mean? It's
2: all right, so we're just going to keep going. I'm going to keep rolling it. To my live people, thank you for uh, sure crazy. for tuning in. We got all type of comments. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for my live people, my live people was like, who's the guy speaking? I said, for the sake of his role, we are not going to say. It. We're just going to call him Jimbo. That's it. And leave it at, <laughs> all leave it it at that. that. Or me, Jimbo Slice. That's all you Jimbo know. Slice. So,
0: hey, look, when we jump back in it, we're gonna, ju- we gonna, I'm gonna lean back into where you were going, Jimbo, because yeah. I really wanna hear, like, what has transpired as a result of this conversation. All right. yeah. And we only got 10 minutes, so I'm gonna push on on you to kind of thug. What it is? Know. You see you that boy? Yeah.
2: My man Stan, what up? Stan Stan said, I feel we apologize for the offended person, not for any personal reason. Paul said, try our best not to defend anyone. I guess he was talking about what you talked to the lady and, um, she said, he uh, yeah, he said, I feel we apologize for the offended person. So I guess he's trying to say we should apologize for the offended person. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be for any personal reasons that she done. She still should be willing to apologize for the uh, ones that are offended. And Paul said try to not to offend anyone. Yeah, I mean, that's, you I know, I think Leonard cool. said
1: it well when he was like, it's not – Necessarily an apology. Apology, It's right. empathy. Yes. And well, that's, that's w- the issue. What I
3: would say, and it applies to the whole conversation, is anything anybody brings to you that results in you being hostile is revealing your idolatry. Mm. And so even. Did you hear so that? Did you hear that? Even when somebody called you a sexist and, and that rises up in you, it, it reveals self-idolatry. Yep. Uh, and that's that's why that's that that's a inner man mm-hmm. coming out, that old man trying to take over in that minute. Yep. And so any so no matter what you come at me with, mm-hmm. if if I if Still I'm it, not bro. able to respond with humility, whether I agree, disagree, think you're ridiculous yep. or whatever, if I can't respond in in calmness and, and humbleness, um, that just it's revealing idolatry. Yep.
1: So this is my question to that because. I would tend to agree with that, but then at some points if it's an offense of like let's say the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Like that it doesn't need a calm response. Like it's a wolf in the church kind of If thing. there's a wolf teaching in the church, yeah. But I mean you look at what Jesus did
3: when when people chased Jesus down mm-hmm. and tried to make him king, he just said something crazy and made him leave. Right. He just said, Look, eat my flesh and drink my blood. But he also flipped tables. Well, all right, so the only time Jesus ever shows aggression mm-hmm. is when people claim that his gospel is something that it's not. Right. You're right. Yeah. And that's so when, when people try to make his, his church or his gospel uh, something that it's not. That's the only time we ever see Jesus elevate a little bit.
1: Um, and, and I think that point in and of itself is why white people, specifically white Christians, get hostile. Because it's, they think that their gospel yeah. getting messed with. Because yeah. I was thinking about what you said when you were like, you can say anything else. And people are all like, yeah, you know, that's, that's a good point. I really do struggle with that. And, yeah. But for some reason, yeah. this specifically, right. which is still kind of mind-blowing to myself because it's, it is true. Like I said in prior shows, I'm like, calling a white person racist is calling, like calling a black person the N-word. It's like yeah. that offensive hmm. to them. They cannot handle that And I just keep trying to think through, like, why of all things that we can be offended about, that one specifically right. in our country right now, the context is such a rub against white but, people. So I associate think, you with some people that you probably not want to be associated with. Right. That's probably a But I, if you're saying, like, you sexist, I, I mean, that's associating you with people you don't want to be associated right, with. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. But
5: I think, I think, over like, do you really believe in the doctrine of total depravity that mm-hmm. we... That we hold so,
2: and that's what I was gonna say. I was like, so if, to be true. if the if the if the white person is saying you mess with their gospel, then they don't believe in the gospel, the actual pure unadulterated gospel. They have another gospel that they're believing
1: in. Well, yeah. yeah. So this is a bigger conversation. We should go into it sometime because that's true. But someone can believe in total depravity and not admit truthfully right. that they commit right. every single sin at all times. Right. You right. Know? So and if someone says, "Hey, Jeremy, you're a murderer," right. Like. While yes, definitely I've murdered people in my heart. Yeah. I've actually never murdered someone. So I'd wanna come back and correct them like, Well right, you're technically right in my heart. Right. But I've actually never murdered somebody. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So then there's like this this like balance because you wanna be honest. You don't wanna just accept everything as true. You well, wanna be I, honest.
5: I think you know? I think our total depravity is is real, but it's also nurtured in different ways. Mm-hmm. So, like I taught um, something from Ravi Zacharias, when he was giving an analogy about the kid who grows up in uh, the Far East or whatever, and every day your dad takes you up on a hill and say, "Blow up that country, kill those people; those are the bad people." And this kid, when he turns twenty, straps a bomb to his chest and and go with his move. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like his he is totally depraved, but it's been nurtured in such a way that it it fleshes out in suicide bombings. Mm-hmm. So it's like if if a person has grown up in a way that they've experienced privilege and they've only experienced um the good life or superiority so to speak, that total depravity is nurtured in in that same way whereas in with black people or white people whatever like all of us have all of us are depraved our depravity just looks different because of the way that it was. Because yeah. you
4: don't see the word racism in the Bible right. overt, overtly. And sure. I think that's another reason why they probably struggle with it. They don't see God saying, me prefer myself and in, in my skin color. And, you know, because it can become a matter of preference when yeah. you choose or when you choose friends or when you choose a employee based upon their race. And you don't necessarily see it as a gospel issue. You just see it as. This is a person I'm comfortable with. I don't have to, don't have to know their story, dig too yeah. deep, and try to figure yeah. them out because he reminds me of my cousin. Mm-hmm. She reminds me of my sister. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but I mean, it also, we,
2: it, internet porn ain't in the Bible either, but we know that it is a real situation. Real That's life. what I'm saying. It's like, they don't difference.
4: see it. They don't see how those well, mindsets and well, that heart. Well, Jesus, Jesus had a real slick way of
3: addressing it. So he had, a, he had a dude approaching, how do I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus goes, what do you think? How do you read the law? And Mark, and the guy goes, well, you love God, love your neighbor. He's obviously heard Jesus put these two things together out of Deuteronomy and out of Leviticus. He's heard Jesus do this, the Shema and then this command out of Leviticus 19. And so Jesus is like, yeah, you're right, good. Like Jesus knew that wasn't the end of the conversation, but he's like, (laughs) no, you're good, exactly. And so then he knows knows the guy's going to try to justify it, and so he goes, so who's my neighbor then? And Jesus answers with an incredibly racially charged story. Yeah, yeah. Really? I mean, the Good Samaritan, the, the is, Good Samaritan is this charged, unbelievably racially charged story. That it, I mean, it attacks. You look at the depth of that story; it attacks everything. Uh, religion, yep. it attacks racism, it attacks prejudice, it attacks the least of, like how we view the least of Classism, these. All, classes, yeah. like, like Jesus. You, you don't, you don't get to take an honest look at the Good Samaritan and go. Yeah, I'm the good Samaritan. Uh, but can I, put, can I <laughs> push oh, on uh, that? Let me, let hey, me, yeah, let me show how this breaks.
2: Before down. you do oh, that, I'm about to do something. Y'all know this not on radio, so we gotta no, go back.
0: No, no, no. no. Oh, just,
4: just go. keep Bro, going. This, this is about to get ugly real quick. Okay.
2: <laughs> All right, so <laughs> we just we we just came we, what it is. We just came back from the song "My Man Seven J Heart of the Hood." We rocking no, with the, no, no, no.
4: Don't don't bring no radio yet. Don't bring no radio. Yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just,
2: well, this is just for the live people. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, let's hear it.
4: And so when it comes to the story of the Samaritan. Think about the way biblical characters are depicted in art. Yep. Yep. You paint yourself as the hero. Right. You paint yourself as the protagonist, not thinking to yourself, I'm the antagonist. Yep. And Mm. so for uh, uh, most Anglos, they they don't. So when when you see a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Brad Pitt-looking Jesus, you automatically think to yourself, well, the, the Gentile must be them folks. Not thinking to yourself, I'm Gentile. Like, I, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Jew. Like this, I'm the people wild, that man. he's talking about. Yeah. Like. So I'm you you know, <laughs> know, you're right. I, mean, yeah. you, I call
3: it, I call it yearbook theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get your yearbook in high school, what do you do?
5: Go look for you. You go look for yourself. Yeah, look like you yourself. look for yourself and your friends. Yeah, and where right. am
3: I in this mm-hmm. story? Do I look good? Did the picture <laughs> turn out right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the same way we read the Bible, which that's is why, tough, which yeah. is why I said you. Which is why tough, I intentionally right. said you can't take an honest look yes. at the story of the mm-hmm. Good Samaritan and walk away saying you're the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
3: You, you can't do that. You, oh, no, my
0: you, God. You want, you know, you're the <laughs> guy yeah, that, wow. beat, that you beat that guy. You, <laughs> you know, look this, is, this, this is something I, I want to throw in there, too, because, like, just like even Shirk, like the, qu- the questions you're, you're, you're pushing on, like, a lot of times when I'm, like, engaging with white Christians concerning this conversation— and the conversation is like, um, show me or tell me and all these different things or whatever, or I'm having to wrestle them really hard. I just think they're really, really I I I just look at them as baby Christians a lot of times. Like in their mind, they think they're elitist in as as far as being a believer in what they know. But I'm but to me these conversations aren't hard because The same pressure I would put on white people about coming up off of their privilege, their superiority complex, the gospel cuts it into pieces. It's the same thing you got to use with black people who are in response to the racism that they've received races as well. Yeah. So it's like it's it's not like white people have a unique sin. The narrative is just unique in this country, and Mm -hmm. it plays out the way it plays. But it's all sin, and the gospel crushes over it. So, like, it's hard-heartedness. That's that's what it actually actually is at the end of the day. I mean, the conversation is difficult. Everything else, the narrative and everything that comes in history, but it's nothing that the gospel can't handle. It's lovelessness. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that in America, black people are not completely human. I say this every week because it's really at the heart of these conversations. We are dehumanized on so so much, even from black to black, even with us killing and everything else, it was the narrative that happened with this country. It was lucrative for that to be the narrative for white people because we were products. You can't keep a product, if the product starts thinking it's human, then it's gonna start wanting to have rights. So you have to make sure that the esteem and self-identity of it is beat to nothing. And that's always been the narrative in this country. And like you said, like your great, your grandma's like, yeah, that was recent. And there's never been repentance. There's never been an apology. There's never been acknowledgement. So how would it ever fix itself? It it becomes so anti-gospel for the Christian to try to make the case because I'm like, where do you see that people just start morphing into righteousness? Just because you put the lipstick on the pig, but you ain't never called it. A, you, you never called it a pig.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, and and that's what I feel like. Kind of what we've seen, and kind of from white evangelicals in in our country is that like, it's just like, yo, we're just gonna act like it disappeared somewhere. Yeah. But like the th- the reason we can't get to apology or empathy or even if there's diligence to be done to actually um, reconcile and fix what's been broken. 'Cause even with what we said earlier about the Indians, like, yeah, we're probably not gonna go give you your land back. But we actually probably do need to make it a priority to start looking at what it looks like to actually
1: repent. Yeah.
0: To repent. Mm-hmm. And it may be financially, it may be land, it may be it may be all of that stuff, but we need to look at that. We may need to look at black America and go, Yeah, white flight, running away, F schools, all like this stuff doesn't just happen. Yeah. It happens when you don't care about other people as much as yourself. And
5: you know you know what's crazy, Jay, and I don't mean to cut you off? That sometimes, like, for me, I can, I feel like, in a sense, I do a disservice because people see that I've made it out of the situation that I was in. So, like, hey, you yeah. grew up in a single-parent household. You grew up in Pakistan. You grew up crazy, but yet, look at you. You're married. You, yeah. You're saved, like... You're you're in college? Like bro, I'm an anomaly, dog.
0: Yeah, they like, there's a rule and you know not what an what exception. You know
5: what I'm saying? So it's if if the fact that you saw me make it is not and it's not even because I pulled myself up and I'm just smarter than everybody else or whatever. I have to attribute it to not just the uh mental assent to the theology of it's by grace alone. It's literally by grace alone. You, Most know, what definitely. you Straight know what I'm saying? You know so it's like even when I dropped the Dim Mr. Seven video, Dem Mr. Seven was to show you that every kid that come to school is not focused on a test. So when you see these kids struggling in the inner city to read, oh, they're just dumb kids that can't read.
2: They're not. Man. God, come they, what, they don't care. If Jesus. you, knew what, they if were you going, knew what they were going through. She got an
5: attitude problem. I can't stand her. Like I said that in a in the song, like my teachers, they yell at me because my attitude, but I'm grumpy because I'm hungry. We don't have no food. Straight up. How so. Of course, your child who's growing up in privilege and influence and who only has to come home and do her homework is going to do great. At Stanton, bro, I barely made it out of Stanton. Number one school in the nation. I barely made it out of Stanton because when I left Stanton, I had to go to work. And I wasn't going to work to get shoes. I was helping my mama pay the light bill. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But everybody else at Stanton who has way more academic credentials and achievements than me. Now they're doctors and lawyers and stuff because when you go home, guess what you have to do? Your homework. That's it. Yeah.
2: You ain't worried about paying no bill. I was it. Wor- I was worried about how I was going to break down money to give to my mama at the end of the week because I ha- I was fortunate to have a job in high school.
1: Yes, and sir. then
2: it had it cut my academic opportunity short because I play football and I have a job, so the things that I wanted to tackle and take advantage of so when I get prerequisites in college, when I get all these things that I can knock out when I was in my senior year that I could've knocked out, I couldn't knock out, so now I gotta take what they can give me, and, and lo and behold, if I don't pass the, then I gotta depend on passing this eight, this SAT. Yep. <laughs> then I have a person look me in my face and say, "Well, because you you really dumb enough, you, do, you you We don't we really see you as somebody that's not smart enough to do it. Right. And in the context of your school and where you could, we will just let you take the ACT. And this is just to be the black boys' test to get you slid in because it's <laughs> yeah. a lot easier. I tell about like, a all of these it's, different things. There's right.
5: uh-huh. a battle rapper named Shotgun Sugar. and he said this. He said, You rap because you want to. I rap because I had to.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: No, I rap because I saw on TV that Tupac made a lot of money by making words rhyme. And I'm like,
0: it's <laughs> the, it's, When you're in the, I just. I do just what heard, I gotta do. I just, I just heard that about Chirac on the noisy documentary the other day when they were talking about the kids in the hood rapping. And they were basically like, Yo, listen, this is the only. Like, we are looking for lanes. We're you in a desert like with no resources. Do, and. And we got to figure it out. And rap is one of the ways that we can get out or whatever. And, you know what so. and, and it's
4: still, I mean, we, we haven't even made it to the context of church. Like, that's just culture. We have got <laughs> just culture. Yeah. yeah that's and, and, that's and crazy. So you we looked that about, the last two minutes. You do this on like, a. <laughs> yeah. You can do this. You <laughs> can the subject matter. I'm about to dive in. You can do a, about, can, can do a whole show. You can do a whole show. Trust me. You can do a whole show on why brothers like me and him can't make it in the black church.
0: Yeah. It's real bro, talk. it's, yeah, no, real talk. It's, it's, yeah. We need to have
2: that conversation. <laughs> we had that conversation a lot. Yeah. Like mm. it's just We man. need
0: we need to have that conversation. Yeah. It's going to make some people mad but we need to have the we, conversation. We are destroying.
4: Like we don't even know. We are shooting ourselves in the foot as the church. We are we have a whole generation of potential pastors Rex. that are not being invested in Rex. in the black church. Most definitely, most Rex. definitely. Cast one question before we go back. Send, line? Them, I mean, send that, them my way. Look,
0: that's a that's not a a hundred percent statement. So I don't want people to take it wrong. But we do need to deal with some of the issues. We're dealing with issues in the white church. We need to deal with issues in the black church. And and, and we're just going to keep it real on the show, whatever. In all due respect, I know there's a lot of pastors out there that are laboring, going crazy hard, and laying their life on the line. So we're not trying to indict the whole entire black church. No. Um, but... We are speaking in generalizations because this is the way the generalizations land in the street when people talk about the black church. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> we, and when I have, a, I have a, I
2: have a, when I have a brother come to me and say, I, I I went to almost every prominent black pastor in this city just to for advice, for information, for how to do this and how to start this, and everybody pushed their seat back and turned and look at the computer like I ain't got nothing for you. And let me he, let me drop something on you. He said I grew and I grew up around all of them. Yeah. Let me, dro- they,
3: let me drop let me drop some on you. When I moved here, I did the same thing. They all gave me an hour.
0: You was lucky, brother. You was
3: lucky. <laughs> <laughs> an hour, you was you was lucky. No, I'm just saying like this is a brother that can't get a minute.
2: And he, and they gave you an hour. And I got an hour. See? And and then Everybody got mad at him because he went to a white pastor, and the white pastor helped.
5: Ooh, boy, that's a whole nother, that's that's nother convo. That's, that's, hey, that's, uh, hey, that's a whole nother show. That's a whole nother show.
2: You trying try to didn't need a, a I'm, bomb out yeah, here. So keep, this keep keep is, is what we're supposed keep, to talk about. Keeping it, it right, bro. Keeping it right. As much as I am labor.
5: Like I told you, Jay, I've labored in a predominantly African-American church for years. Whatever, whatever. 1122, the first... Church to ever offer me a position to see something in me and say, We're gonna invest in you. I see something in you, we're gonna invest in you, we're gonna rock with you. That's the first church, and I've been to a couple. I put my pastor's coat on for free
4: and carried his Bible and get a dime. No, <laughs> sir. You feel me? Hey. Yo, listen. Let. It's a whole nother show. That's yo. Why, hey, that's it, why my wife. I want to I be on, I be on that him, show when that one
0: happens. You feel it, me? Feel? I want to be I, a part of why. that. If
5: my wife want to ride for her, she going to ride for her. Look, 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 That's it's, how it is, bro. Whole, it's, whole, cool.
0: it's a whole nother show, bro, for real. It's it's it really, really is. But Invite me back when it happens. No, yeah, man. We've been trying to have that show for a minute, but we didn't. It really has. it's been hard. I don't know why we ain't been able
2: to do it. It's been hard. But I see it's easy for these brothers. It's been hard. So we're
0: going to get back to it. Let's jump back into the show knock this thing out real quick. We might
2: need to bring them back when we have this show. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we definitely. Oh, I'm coming back. We we y'all can't get yes, rid of me now. Nah, yes. So <laughs>
2: we might need to bring them somebody.
5: Back. Me and Fields have to get in a blender. Well, it we looking like um, uh, <laughs> We got nine minutes.
0: Nine minutes, Jimbo. Yeah. When we jump back, I'm jumping yeah. back into you or whatever. All right, I, I want you to get to some of the thuggish stuff I'll that's happening, sure. like with yeah. people sliding out the church, all of that, and all the crazy stuff. You know what I mean? All right. Are all right, you ready? Yeah. There's some good stuff. So, all right. I'm just
2: gonna count it in. Five, four, three, two.
0: Yo, 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 we back at it. It's the Bill Radio Show. You rocking with 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. This is your boy Jay Harris, aka Jay Juliulis, rocking with my people, Big Philly, Shirk Dog in the building. You know what I'm saying? Yo, check it out, man. That was my man, 7J Heart of the Hood. You already know what it is, man. You know what I'm saying? Representing 7. We appreciate you. Being in the building with us this all morning. Good, all day. All good, you know what bro. I'm saying? We in the presence of greatness. Y'all heard what it is. You know what I'm saying? Negative, so, <laughs> And you can't get
2: that song on iTunes, so go get that joint. Straight
0: up and down. No go man, get that on our iTunes, bro. Listen, um, we only got a couple more minutes left. And uh, Jimbo, I want you to really push in real quick. Finish what you were saying about um, just pretty much I want to hear what mm-hmm. you dealing with in your church in the context and everything of it. So paint a picture. Right. So now
3: it's now I'm pastoring a church that's in the thick of it in a in a neighborhood that's uh, radically transitioned through white flight. And so as a matter of fact, our church is literally a dividing line. You look you look south, you got one demographic. You look look north, you got another demographic, which is honestly what appealed to me when I looked at it. I was like, all right. All right. We got I mean, in my mind, we're situated where this is a necessity. Like this is non-negotiable for us there, which is what really, uh, drew me to it. But, uh, I was saying one of the things I was telling you before we even started recording, one of the things that I've learned and I, I laugh at myself cause maybe I should have known it, uh, as I honestly didn't know because I guess being a con man growing up, I've, I've mostly lived my life, not taking cues from anybody. Uh, and so I just, I've always kind of declared my own road and, and just, and so, I mean, definitely there's groupthink that is involved that has influenced me that I didn't realize, but. Anyway, man, a bunch of people started coming because, and their number one reason, I would ask people, so why why are y'all coming? A lot of people would come um, from from miles away. Uh, man, we just love your preaching, man. We love your preaching. We love how you bring that fire in the pulpit. Uh, middle class, middle aged white people, which I was good with because that's part of the that's part of the neighborhood. So I was like, I'm good. Um, but they started to push back against the idea of reaching the community, and then as we started to get some some traction, which it, I mean, it's been slow traction. I'm, I'm going to be for real. We're not. I would not call us a greatly diverse church. We're still a predominantly, very predominantly white church. Yeah. Uh, but we've started to leak in some some African Americans from the community. We started to see some salvations. We're starting to raise up some leadership. We got one deacon that's black. We got a guy I'm I'm training for pastoral ministry. Uh, that's black. We got that he helps with music and some other things and. I mean, we'll, on, on our worship on Sunday, man, we'll do like one kind of black gospelish type song, and most of the rest is is hill songish and and stuff like that. We'll throw a hymn in there, and uh, and so some people started coming to me just saying uh, that I was focusing too much on black people. I kid, and I mean, the phrase was said to me by multiple people. We feel like you care too much about black people uh, and talk about me and saying stuff in a sermon where it got messed up. Uh, so. I don't know. Maybe I let my filter drop for a minute. It started. It started to get. It started to get at me that people were saying this because I didn't understand it.
2: They don't even realize that that's a uh, that's a jacked up statement. And
3: you so, care too much. About so in it. A, well, that's a, very, s- that's a very
4: clean way of putting it. So here's
2: what I said. Here's what I said
3: in a sermon one day. Oh I said. I said a lot. I just flat out said it in a sermon. I said a lot of people have been telling me that I care too much about black people. I need you to know. I t- I take that as a badge of honor. Like I. I appreciate like the fact that you said that tells me that like maybe job, maybe some black people feel like I care about them, um, not all of them, but maybe some do right. in this community. And uh, that's nuts. Bro. Well,
2: so then you and, was nuts for saying I take it as a badge of honor too. Well, I, I you was I, crazy.
1: I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't realize
3: how that was going to come across because I just thought he like
1: went with his mood. I just thought
3: whatever man like he went with his mood. <laughs> and yep. so. Phil, uh, did
1: that earn him his black card that you Nah, it about? did. It
2: didn't. That's, yeah. why, I that's why I say cool. he was crazy. Because <laughs> it was like, hey, you got to put yourself in a bigger uh, bucket of water, brother. And, and we're going to be like, you got to do a little more than that. That ain't enough. Right. Them. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's yeah. where I'm
3: going. Like, you can't even come at me yet. Like, I haven't even really done anything. Yeah. Right. Like, that's, that's where I struggled. Like, I talked with, I went to Jay's house and talked to him. I was like, man, I struggle with, like, that I don't do enough. Like, in my mind, I, I mean, what, what rests hard on me is uh man it, it echoes in my brain is martin luther king's letters from birmingham jail mm. yep. It, it, yep. It, as a as a white leader that uh, echoes in my brain and so i'm going man I, I feel like i'm not even really doing anything and and already already we're having an issue i was just trying to introduce the topic to you like let's just yeah. we haven't even had the conversation really let's I was just trying to bring it up in conversation. So we recently had about 60 to 70 people leave our church all at once. Um, not all 60 or 70 said yeah. the same thing, but yeah. probably Ball 10 or cloud. 15 when I had a conversation with them said flat out, I feel like you're racist against white people. I feel like you care about black people more than you do white people. I feel like you have too much of an emphasis yeah. there. And I, I legitimately didn't understand it. I didn't get where they were coming from until I finally had somebody. I was like – I finally talked one of them into, you got to sit down with me. You got to help me understand what you're – because I legitimately don't – it's not that I hear you and disagree with you. I don't know where you're coming from.
2: Yeah. And before you say that, is this – the church congregation, or is this the church that planted you in that church?
3: No, this is his church. is your church. No, this this is is the these, are church. these are members. These are members. members. These are members okay. of the church. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, and so this guy basically helped me understand that, without realizing this is what he's helping me understand, that the 95, 90% of the things we do that are very white, in his mind, they aren't white. They're just normal They're stuff. Normal and mm-hmm. so I, I didn't get that. In my mind, I knew. I, that's why I was, that's why it blew my mind when people were like there's too much emphasis on black because I was like like maybe five or ten percent of what we do as a whole is is intentionally intentionally yeah. mm-hmm. african American and um and so that was a awakening moment for me i mean it was a so so it was a sobering moment for me
0: yeah, so to, basically what you're saying is that just so so I can make sure people understand is that for these the the person you talk to because whiteness in America or the majority comp, uh culture. culture it's it's whitewashed all away way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't say it is a negative it just is what it is well that's
3: the thing i had to help him understand it's like cuz i try to talk to him about it and he yeah. he was offended when i said it and i was like i'm not saying that 95% of what we do is wrong when i say 95% is white i'm just i'm
0: just you have to understand that it is cultural yeah you you don't it is you don't have to think about anybody else in it right. it's just you, you don't have to think about the fact that it's actually intentionally built around white aesthetics and pleasing white people and answer, and 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 responding to the white cultural voice because it's normal right. so well, like he to, doesn't do it in his regular life like he yeah. doesn't have to wrestle with those things he doesn't have to life. think about it like like one of the things I always explain to people I'm like for black people for white people white people wake up and they go to work every day like Black people have to look in the mirror and unblacken themselves to exist in corporate America. So when you wake up as a black person, like a, a black female might wake up, do her hair a certain way, and go, "This is actually too black. Not my hair looks messy, yeah, right. but it's actually too black." Or, let me I say, like these colors. But these colors are thought to be too black. We actually yeah. have to rationalize like that. White people don't yeah. have to work through any of that. Well, let me say one, one last thing <laughs> as, as, as
3: we close then. <laughs> 45 great. seconds. The last thing I would thing I have to say is so, hit, so hit what I'm trying to do now is understand that this is why it's important because it makes us die to ourselves. So my strategy right now, man, is get people on the mission field. To help them see that, man, if I can get you, if I can get you in Haiti, if I can get you in Africa, if I can get you in Peru, if I can take you, to, outside parking lot, to, if I can take you outside and just and and help you see that this is even just a black white thing, yeah, like this 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 is a I need you to come in a position of dying to self, yeah. If we don't do that, that's yeah, what
5: Jesus calls for, man.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. You, listen, we, we, we're we we at the very end of the show, and I want to wrap it up really quick. First of all, this is the Ville Radio Show, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. My last encouragement for people is to do this right here. Sometimes what i found, Jimbo, is that you have to give people the gospel tools to even be able to engage in the conversation. Yep. So I think that you're doing the right thing by leading people to what dying to self looks like because that sounds like dying to your opinion being right. And um yeah. and so I think it's a responsible way to engage this narrative. Listen, it's the Ville Radio Show. We love y'all. We signing off and uh you know we'll be back with all that crazy stuff. Peace, y'all.
2: Cool, we done. Dang.
4: man. So dad, I got hate time ran out. Like I, I was thinking still about live, seven, like, you you gotta Oh, we three.
1: live, baby. Yeah, hold live. on. Yeah, that. I'm like seven
4: <laughs> seven can probably relate to this. And are you talking about like being being mindful of what it means to be black, like even in the context of going to a predominantly white church, I have to ask myself: Is there my posture, my words, the way I approach this white person, whether it's a right. male or female? What will it do to, like, how will they receive it? Like, I got to think about even coming in for a handshake.
2: Yeah, that's how I was
5: initially.
1: Uh huh.
4: First, now I'm
5: trying to be as 7J as possible. I, I'm t-
0: 'Cause you're gonna I'm, lose you'll lose yourself and not bro. even know that you're actually assimilating yeah. and change based on pleasing men. Yep. Yep. It's not even and, 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 and then and then sometimes you're being pressured into it and it's being poised it's being presented to you as if it's gospel or truth yeah. for yeah. you to change who you are, it. but it's really about appeasing the majority voice in the room. And bro, we're doing a disservice to the gospel like this man I like you know I think this is the thing that's the biggest why these conversations are so important and the thing that's so grievous in my heart is that it's the long story of what this does to the cross like this is this is these conversations not that they're not hard but the way we are having them are hard-hearted and foolish on so many levels the fact that we won't let go and you said it earlier we won't let go of our idols in these conversations. And it's really idolatry, like mm-hmm. it really is. Like, it's it's idolatry, and we need to call it what it is. It doesn't have pretty, cute names to it. It is literally racism, idolatry of self. It's it, it it's so anti. So here, I have a
1: question. This is an important question. Go
2: ahead.
1: And I don't know. You put the mic down. You no, I okay. I, I the mic theory? myself up twenty four seven. So uh, <laughs> he's got one in the car. <laughs> Move out the way. Uh, so basically, what is the balance? This is an honest question of staying true to yourself and dying to yourself. Because well, y'all are, I will, this is why I'm asking the question. Because what we just said is that, you know, fundamentally as a Christian, we are to die to ourselves, come alive in Christ. We talked about Sunday being living sacrifices. Mm. But then there's also this part where, like Seven said, I do. <laughs> hey, this is white Mike privilege, literally. Uh, so, we're gonna start calling you White Mike. <laughs> white Mike? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like uh, the. Uh, so anyway, but like you know, so Seven's what he's saying. True It's like you know you want to stay true to yourself, right? But, but, and then you're saying it's idolatry for a little bit to stay. Like true to not true to yourself, but to for white people to just ignore. I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm asking the balance in the yeah, midst of well, all I of that. I think it's the,
2: it's the cat, I think it's sometimes it's the categorizing that happens when, like, from a conversation, mm-hmm. like with me, just like Seven James said. Yeah. What I what I had to uh, what I've had to um, uh, what I've learned about myself since going here is that um, I it brought up insecurities. So so like. I never had a, I had it in, a, in a black church, coming from where I come from, even come, growing up in my family, I never had a need to explain myself. Like, we just, we didn't. Where I grew up at, I am. I yeah, my, 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 my gift spoke so much for me. I was so much of a singer that people, they just, like, oh, we know you anointed. We know you are a man of God. And this, that, that. And even coming up in my home, we just didn't, I just didn't explain myself. You know, the only person I, we know we love explaining to it with my mama. So I said, when I get out of my house, I ain't explaining nothing to nobody. Yeah. I, I already had the mentality that I was grown because I grew up in a single parent home. I acted as a as a man. Yep. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So long. Mm-hmm. So when I got over here, it was like I felt uh, the, the, cult, some of the Some of some culture uh, uh, from uh, and white and my white brothers and sisters. Like to talk they like to ask you questions and then I was finding it offensive sometimes yeah. but sometimes it was just questions because I even had that with my wife my wife was like I'm not trying to be mean Phil I'm just yeah. asking you a question yeah learn to explain yourself learn to talk and then I didn't realize how much of an issue I had with talking I thought I could talk mm-hmm. no I know I know how to talk as long as I want to talk about what I want to talk uh, about but when I had to explain a vulnerability or explain uh, a part right. of me that was gonna cause me to open myself up. Yeah. I just did not sure. wanna do that. So yeah, I what I start know. finding myself doing with my white brothers and sisters is overtly trying to explain and using words that I don't know what the hell they mean.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Trying to act like I know what's going on in the conversation.
1: Yeah.
2: And like that's gonna give me smarts. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a student that come from the east side of Jacksonville that made a 3.5, when I, that was a 3.5 football student. I don't give a damn, what nobody think about me now? I know I'm smart and I'm just country. And I talked with Shane. So I had to learn to accept who the hell I was and just be like, if you want me to use these big words, I'm not using those words. Some of them I know what they mean. Some of them I don't. But even if I know what they mean, I ain't talking to you like that because I don't talk like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But and and the thing is, too, is that you find yourself fighting for dignity in the conversation. Conversation. Sometimes I realized white people were just asking questions. Right. And in other times. I realized I was actually getting crapped on because of the nature of the, con- the question um, yep. and the fact that, hey, little human, yep. prove yourself to be worthy. Like even as the pastor of this church, I still get that sometimes. Like so people are asking me to prove my worth and why they should actually follow me. And a lot of times I fall back because I'm like, I'm actually not going to do that because yep. you wouldn't ask that of uh, somebody no, okay. else. So I think that so I, I, that, that becomes. Well,
2: that's what a categorization I was saying. When, yeah. my, when you leave, when you, uh, some one, uh, I may leave a conversation with this white person. He may never talk to me again, because mm-hmm. of the simple fact he just summed me up in right. this conversation. Well, yeah. yeah
3: here, here's my question with that. Then what's the balance then of like he's saying? So when Paul in First Corinthians nine talks about like, so I became like those under the law.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Not like he, like I he he, he gives
3: like four different situations, and he's like, when he seems to morph himself a little bit and say like my identity is I'm not important.
4: Yeah, you for be the
3: situation. Yeah. So so, I, so where is the balance? Because like, in, in part it, I appreciate what you're saying. Like I get like you need to do that. Yeah. But where is the balance in that? He c- c- created
4: a culture where he can. Like he's actually right. invested enough at that church. Yeah. And they've seen enough of his face. He's made a sizable enough investment. So now he can have that freedom. Right. And so if 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 our Anglo brothers and sisters don't invite. I'm saying like like eleven yeah. twenty-two. That they invited somebody to the table, yeah. and I think that's a fear of a lot of both black and white churches is the fear of if we invite this person to the table, what does it mean? But, I but t- you, gotta, you gotta
5: understand that same in that same breath, bro. Like in that First Corinthians nine, vain. I know how to being from the hood makes you malleable in any situation, right. bro. Oh yeah. Like growing up in the context I grew up in, you had to know how to fit in with the dope boys. You had to know how to fit in with the athletes. You had to know how to fit in with the cluckers, the fiends. Mm -hmm. Like, you had to know how to look behind you without looking behind you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, even, I always tell my wife, it's like this, and I I get offended if I feel like somebody offering me a sandwich with a blade in it. That means that you're saying something real nice to me, or you're asking me something, but it's. Now, yeah inside of it, It's really yeah. i you pull a knife out and go with your mood. And
2: that's all I be saying. Like, like, just moves, go, with right? go with your freaking move. Yeah. Don't be yeah. So, like,
5: so but it's like I've learned how to I can sit down in a in a corporate setting because when I work for communities in schools, I used to sit in on a board meetings, suit and tie it up and say, Well, you know, the it's very perspicacious that communities in schools is a uh, great advocacy program for the literature and the, I know how to turn that on. I went I, I paid attention to language and literature and all that kind of stuff. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I get it. So I, in that sense, yeah, I, I become, I'm right. becoming that so that y'all can understand what I'm talking about. Right. When it comes upon infringing, because there's a difference between my personality, yep. and my attitude. My attitude, I can change. God tells me to be in control of my attitude. Don't be bitter. Don't all that kind of stuff. Yeah. My personality is my imago Day certain ways that God has wired me that are not sinful, that's, that I don't yeah. have to change. Yes. Like, it's, it's certain thing. I don't have yes. to change the fact that I say y'all instead of you all. You're
0: dehumanizing me when you, know, you make girl, me feel like I ha- I can't be right? who I am, and you are now culturally saying, like, because they, they don't know they're saying my whiteness is the bar, yeah. but that's actually what it comes down to, well, and everybody else is failing up under it.
3: parts of me that aren't sinful mm-hmm. and so i don't need to do those but at the same time when i go to india yeah i don't use my left hand to do anything yeah there's nothing sinful about me using my left hand mm-hmm. what i understand in that culture yeah where i'm at and i'm not there for me yeah i don't go to india for me yeah i go so that i can carry the gospel to these people so i fully a hundred percent sacrifice everything about me when i'm in india i'm not supposed to whistle man i whistle everywhere